Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Insomnia Project. Sit back, relax, and listen as we have a calm conversation about the mundane. One thing that we try to deliver is a conversation that's less than fascinating so that you can feel free to just drift off. Thank you for joining us. We hope you will listen and sleep. I'm your host, Marco Timpano. And with him, here I am again, Amanda Barker. Amanda, if people are listening and they hear a tumbling sound. That's the soothing tumbling sound of towels in our dryer. I love the sound of things in the dryer. I always have. And really? I always, yeah, I always find it calming. Oh. And just watching, I guess just being able to watch the things tumble, mm-hmm. I find relaxing as well. I've always loved doing laundry. Mm-hmm. There's something about it that I find very relaxing. There's something about putting the laundry in and then taking it out and then the warm feeling of dry laundry from the dryer is a feeling that just uh, relaxes me, always has. There's something really satisfying, too, about taking warm clothing out of the dryer because you have this feeling like everything is warm and dry and clean it's almost that same kind of or reminiscent of that feeling like when you come out of the pool or a day swimming at the lake or that type of thing where you come out of somewhere maybe a little dirty, a little cold, a little wet, and then you put on something comforting and warm and dry and clean and just have that wonderful feeling like you're ready for a beautiful long nap. It's true. I yeah. love I love that warm sort of feeling of nostalgia and mm-hmm. of uh, just fun, easygoing times. I love the sound as well of the dishwasher. Not everyone has a dishwasher, but um, I had one growing up. I have one now, and um, I love it. <laughs> and uh, it was one of the first things I bought when I started making a little bit of money as an actor and that sound at night of the swishing and it's I think it's a similar idea it's that monotony the humming monotony the comforting thing that something's being taken care of for you that you don't have anything to do but just sort of snuggle in and listen to that sound I love the sound of the dishwasher at night 
I love doing dishes after a big party and everyone's gone. Mm-hmm. There's something about actually doing the dishes because um, some of the dishes we have when we have people over, mm-hmm. you can't put in the dishwasher. Right. We have certain glassware that has... Fine china yeah. or good wine glasses, crystal, that kind of thing. Right. Yeah. And so there's something I love about washing those dishes by hand once mm-hmm. everyone is gone and just taking my time with it and just enjoying the party that was just had and the conversation and the laughs, Mm. the food, Mm -hmm. the wine, as you mentioned. There's something about that sort of um, after a nice time breath that one gives. Wrapping up all that food and then putting it in the fridge and knowing that it's everything's been taken care of. There's nothing to do. There's nowhere to be. It's almost like I know that feeling that you're, you're that you're mentioning. It's almost that feeling of having a really good long laugh, and then the sort of sigh that comes after it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. but it is a great feeling. Really great feeling. My sister loves to do dishes as well. She finds it very comforting. She said she'll never get a dishwasher because she loves the comforting feeling of of getting them done. Until she gets a dishwasher, right. and she'll love the comforting sounds of the dishwasher, uh, of the dishwasher while yeah. she does other things. So dishes can be comforting, whether you are getting a machine to wish them around, or if you're doing them by hand, or like most of us, maybe a little bit of both, I think. Sure. Yeah. But uh, there's so many sounds like that, humming sounds. Uh, the sound of a vacuum for a lot of people is really, really comforting. I know we have an automated... Roomba vacuum. Those disc vacuums that mm-hmm. sort of march around the house vacuuming things up. And I know it's one o'clock because that's the time that you've set for it to zip around the living room. and. Um, Except for Thursdays. Thursdays it happens at 1 a.m. So just as we're drifting off to sleep, we'll hear this sort of distant hum. And then my sleepy brain usually registers, oh, this is the night that he mistakenly put the wrong time for it to go off <laughs> as opposed to going off at 1 in the afternoon. <laughs> on Thursdays, it goes off at 1 a.m. But it's a little bit of a blessing because we always wake up on Friday with an extra clean house. So there's something really comforting and nice about that, too. I used to love to vacuum my parents' shag carpet. What? Really? Yeah, I did when I was a kid because with shag carpet or with longer fiber carpet, I should say, mm-hmm. um, you'll see the lines that the vacuum makes as it goes forward okay. and comes back. So I used to love to try to make it perfect, mm-hmm. almost like, uh, like you know, when people do things like an etching yeah. or coloring in and just getting it all completed, maybe even a puzzle. But there was something I found very relaxing about getting all the lines as straight as I could on the I carpet. felt that way about um, lawn mowing. Because oh, of course. I used to do the strip with the push lawnmower. That was one of my chores. And I used to push it all the way one way so it would make a real strip in the grass and then line it up as you turn around and then push it back so the grass was sort of in that kind of checkerboard almost pattern, you know, where it's swishing one way in one line and of then course. swishing the other way in the other line. Um, yeah, really... Uh, there's something really satisfying. And, of course, there's always that little patch that you miss, right? So then you go back and get those little bits. 
Same as uh, vacuuming, I think, too. Same as in the fall when you rake the leaves. And, you know, at that point in the fall, the grass tends to be its most verdant, its Mm -hmm. most uh, deepest, its lusciousness. Mm -hmm. And so when it's covered by fallen leaves, that beautiful green gets covered. But the minute you start raking and you reveal this luscious grass underneath, Mm -hmm. that's quite quite a lovely feeling I was thinking about mowing the lawn a friend posted a picture of her daughter laying down in the grass looking up at the sun and there were dandelion uh, blossoms all around those little yellow dots in the grass sure and I was thinking about it and saying you know it might be time for us to go and pick the chicoria with your mom dandelion greens Mm -hmm. or chicory and Mm-hmm. Radicchio um, can be picked when it's wild mm-hmm. in clean fields, mm-hmm. and that's something that we will do. And one of the things we love to collect in particular is purslane. That's right, in sandy grass, yeah. which your mom calls sclopide. Yep. Is that dialect or is that Italian? I think that's dialect for yeah. purslane, yeah. But uh, Chicoria is um, really popular in Italian cuisine and... In those farm fields, there's all those sprouts, and the best time to pick the chicoria is before the dandelion has blossomed. So if you see those little yellow bulbs, it's probably not tender enough that you want to go there. Your mom taught me that. So in the spring and early summer, if you can catch it just on the right moment, you can go out and fill, as we used to do, fill garbage bags with chicoria. I'm hoping we do it this year and then clean them and clean them and steam them down. Yeah, cleaning them is the big sort Mm -hmm. of challenge because they're often with a lot of sand Mm -hmm. and soil and you really want to clean them well. Mm -hmm. Um, Versus getting them from like a yard. You want to get them from like a farmer's field then you'll have the best best chicoria. Yeah. The other thing I love um, picking, Mm. I don't know if picking is the right word for it, but snapping is the rhubarb when it's mm. ready and you sort of pull at the stalk and it makes an, a crisp snap. And mm-hmm. I know that uh, we have a lot of listeners based in the UK mm. and uh, rhubarb is something that is so reminiscent for me of the UK. And, and a British baking, isn't it? Like a strawberry rhubarb tort yeah. or cake or coffee cake or I don't turnover. know if it's British per se but they do it so well mm. and so that's why I associate it because when we were there well I think rhubarb when you think of where rhubarb grows or where you've experienced a really great rhubarb themed dessert it would be in colder climates so um Britain for sure, the UK, I would think, probably France as well. But you wouldn't have rhubarb in a tropical climate, right? No, no. I think it's something that needs a a mild to cool and crisp climate. Yeah. Um, I'm no arborist, but that's what I'm going to go with. But there's something about rhubarb, strawberry, cream, clotted mm. cream, mm-hmm. scones, tea. Right. That any of that the combi- comfort of that, yeah. The combination of that, you you know, I love, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, I've I, I've always loved the taste of rhubarb, and even the color. There's the, something so beautiful about that particular pale greeny shade of red mm-hmm. that makes me 
feel pink. relaxed. It's a pink, really, isn't it? No, it 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 goes from green to red. When you cook rhubarb, yes, it's pink. But yeah. I'm talking about the actual rhubarb itself. Well, the leaf is green, yeah. But it has striations that go from green to red. Mm-hmm. The stalk does. Mm-hmm. At least that's my perception of it. And mm-hmm. so there's something about rhubarb red. I think it's sort of, yeah, like it starts white. Maybe there's green at the root. And then it's that white bulby kind of base. Mm-hmm. And then as it grows up, it gets a little pinker and pinker until you have that deep hue in the tender rhubarb. You want to pick it around the same time as you would pick chicoria, like in that early summer time. Uh, and usually with a rhubarb plant, you can pick it twice. So if you pick it at the beginning of the summer and get those tender little stems, then you can go back in August and, and get some more. We oh, always as, had, l- as late as August, you can yeah, pick it again? The oh. second the second round. In New Brunswick, we had it, and it would grow along our shed. So we had big rhubarb patches that would grow along our shed. Beautiful and sweet. I would pick it and just chew it, actually. Amanda, you know, um, you will often mention New Brunswick, mm. where you lived for a portion of your life. Mm-hmm. And some of our listeners would probably want to know more about New Brunswick, the province of New Brunswick in Canada. Sure. What can you tell us that one who isn't familiar with it might not know? Well, um, I have spring on the brain, I think, right now and picking things and foraging things on the brain right now. So one of the things that we would do in the early summer months and spring months would be picking and eating fiddleheads. So that's a fiddlehead fern, the little tender baby curled up shoots of the fern. We were quite famous, actually. We're fiddlehead country. We'd pick our fiddleheads. You could buy them many times at stands on the side of the road, big sandy bags of fiddleheads, same as the the dandelion greens. Take them home and clean them well, and then you saute them with whatever you're fancy. A lot of times people have them with vinegar, uh, but I just like them with oil and butter, maybe a bit of garlic and lemon. Yeah. There's a caperness to fiddleheads, I find. Oh, really? Well, in that they're like caper, capers are unflowered buds, mm. and fiddleheads are ferns that have, oh, un- have not furled. Right. And they can often get pickled or used with a vinegar, let's say. I've never had a pickled fiddlehead. Oh, no? no, I'm. I believe you, but I've just never had them. We always had them fresh. There you go. And that was the way to have them. And it was one of those rare greens because they're not so widely eaten around the world, although that is changing, um, that it really was a thing that you could only get at a certain time of the year. So there was always the association of the freshness, the first buds of those first warm days and the comfort of that. So um, it would be it would just feel wrong to have a fiddlehead in November, right, even if you froze it. And there is something to be said about that type of seasonal eating, right? So fiddleheads certainly being one of them. Um, you know, now we have so much that's available to us at any time. Actually, asparagus was like that for us too. Yes. Um, because we get those first tender shoots around the same time. Mm-hmm. I, in love fact. As- I love asparagus. Yeah. Um, but tell us more about New Brunswick, New Brunswick, the province. Yeah. Well, New Brunswick is bigger than people realize. It's a bigger province. Um, so it spans quite a distance. I, I don't have exact numbers. Sure. Uh, there's sort of three or four 
I guess, arguably four major sort of hubs, cities. I think they're all cities or qualifying as cities now. There's Moncton, which is, I believe, the biggest city. Oh, well, Moncton is. It's bigger than Fredericton? Oh, yeah. Oh, I didn't realize yeah, that. Yeah, much bigger. Um, Moncton, St. John. Beautiful city by the water. Do you find it beautiful? I thought it was wonderful. St. Johners would argue it with you. They like to do that. But it is actually a really beautiful city. Rustic. Rustically beautiful. But it's on the water and there's mm-hmm. ships and there's something very seafaring about it. And Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. The sea- seafood there is fantastic. Mm-hmm. And the, I want to say the old town, but I don't know if that's the right word I for I think, it. honestly, it's the downtown. That the downtown yeah. is just wonderful to stroll in and mm-hmm. it's really pretty it's beautiful yeah i love i've always loved saint john it it knows what it is and the, uh, that's the thing i always loved about it um miramichi is a city that i have not spent much time in okay um and miramichi is an interesting one because it wasn't considered a city for a long time it was more of a hub and i think what they did was amalgamate a few of the little towns to to now refer to it as Miramichi. I hope I've got that right. And then Fredericton would be the other city, as you mentioned. Now, Fredericton, I know the most about Fredericton because I lived an hour from Fredericton, and I was a tour guide in the city of Fredericton. So I know a lot of its old histories and Tell us one stories. fascinating thing, story, history yeah. that you recall. And maybe, I mean, we can do a whole episode on Fredericton if you want sure. later on. Um one story about Fredericton? Well, um, it wasn't big enough, in fact, back in the day to um, to have an Anglican church, which back in the old Loyalist days was what you needed um, to sort of establish yourself. So you had to have at least 10,000 people for the Queen of England, who was Queen Victoria at the time, um, to be a city, to be consider- considered a city. But she granted uh, Fredericton city status under 10,000 people so that they could have a beautiful Anglican cathedral. And uh, so people do always think, the reason I bring that up is because people always think Fredericton is actually a much bigger city than it is. That said, it is a very beautiful city. Um, It is the capital city of New Brunswick. And there's a lot of... um, there's a lot of professors that live there. There's two th- universities there. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, and a few colleges as well. There's an art college, some community colleges, um, and then there's uh, the biggest, which is University of New Brunswick, which is a very big university, and a smaller university, um, which is St. Thomas University. That, oh, there you go. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Bay of Fundy is in New Brunswick. It is in New Brunswick. And it claims to have the warmest tidal waters north of the Carolinas, apparently. Um, It's quite a bay. I've swum in it. It did not feel warm to me when I visited. Amanda, everyone should know that Amanda will swim in just about any temperature of water because she loves to swim so much. I do. I love to be in water. Absolutely. It is my happy, comforting, wonderful place. Um, Yeah. When I was a child, we had a pool, and it was my place to go where I could kind of be alone in a way, and it was my place where I could dream, and actually it was my place where I could find quiet. So that's why I would love 
being underwater and being in the pool. I'm going to veer away from New Brunswick. Maybe okay. we'll get back to it. Maybe mm. we'll have another episode on Fredericton. But sticking to the water theme, yeah. what are your top three beaches that you have ever swum in or mm. swam in? Swim or swum? Top three beaches? Yes. Okay, because there's so many places that I've Sure, but I picked beaches to make the list of places you have dipped your toes and swam in. Okay. Um, Smaller. The bay in Koh Phi Phi, which is... In Thailand. In Thailand, off of the island of Phuket, um, one of the smaller islands. Um, it's actually two islands together, Phi Lee and Phi Don. Um, most people stay on PP Lee, I believe. I've got that right. Um, one is very tall and sharp, and one is very flat and beautiful and has a, an incredibly deep bay. So swimming in that bay is gorgeous um, in those when you, waters. When you say deep, you mean if falls into a deep, like you walk out a bit and then it gets deep? No, no, um, that's not what I mean. I mean... It's actually shallow for quite a long time because it's a, I don't know, receded quite a bit, okay. the bay. Like when the tide goes in versus coming out, it's a very big difference in the water. I see. Okay. Yeah. Um, so Kopi P, I think maybe in first would be one of the first ones. Uh, the second would be the waters at our cottage, which is Woodland Beach, which is Georgian Bay uh, on Lake Huron. And that is my one of my favorite go-to places. The water is typically pretty warm towards the middle to end of the summer, but even when it's not, it's very shallow and clean, and I love it there. So, um, and clear, very clear. When people think of Canadian water, they think of black lake water. Murky water, yeah. Which, to be honest, I also love, but um, this isn't that. It's sort of clear, bluey green, beautiful water. So, Georgian Bay. And then... Um, we'll do an episode on Georgian Bay because it's a place that we both love, you and I, mm -hmm. and uh, it is really quite spectacular. And then I think my third would have to be the waters of Cape Cod. Oh, of course. I grew up swimming there as a child. Um, when we weren't in the pool, we were on the Cape, and uh, you know I was lucky as a kid and to have access to water in a few different ways because I found it, I connected with it in so many ways. But the water on the Cape, the water of Cape Cod, it's warm and green. And there's a salty greenness that honestly, I have such fond memories of it. And when I got back into it, when I was much older, um, back when you and I were going to Martha's Vineyard every week on a cruise ship that we worked on, I realized that it was exactly the same as I remembered it and that I had remembered it correctly. There's something very special about the waters of Cape Cod, the warmth, the buoyancy of the salt in the water, the taste of the water, the greenness of the water, the way the waves are. Um, it is its own place. There's nowhere else quite like it, and uh, so... My heart's there. It's the first place I saw a horseshoe crab on the beach was on the Cape. It's funny you say horseshoe crab. I had a friend, I have a friend who's living in New York right now, and she was walking along the beach this morning and didn't realize, saw this thing and didn't realize what it was. And then the water came up and it, it, it receded and it started to move and it scared her. She's um, from uh, an Ashinaabe nation up very north in uh, Ontario. 
So she had never seen it before, so I had identified it to her this morning as a horseshoe crab. And she was like, good to know. I had no idea because it has that long kind of stinger. Yeah, it's a silly, funny, ancient-looking animal. Mm -hmm. And uh, when you see one, they are remarkable, Mm -hmm. and that's why you take notice of them because they're really like nothing else, Mm -hmm. and they're fascinating to look at and enjoy. I grew up with them, so I never really... Paid them much mind. Paid them much mind. When sure. you when you grew up seeing, there were certain things we always got to see like those. And then there were things we never got to see like a starfish would have been the coolest thing in the world. Right. But that wasn't really, you don't see that in Cape Cod. It's interesting how we will see things that might really sort of widen the eyes of people who aren't from Mm-hmm. Places and the same goes for us when we travel. Mm-hmm. For example, I used to be a tour guide in this city, Toronto, and one of the things that the guests who were on the bus I was on would all like everything would stop when they saw a black squirrel. Yeah. So Toronto is one of these few cities that have in uh, an abundance of black, jet black squirrels. Mm-hmm. And for many people, that's not how they know squirrels. So when they would see these black squirrels, they would they were stopped in their track. When I first came to Ontario the very first time, which would have been 1993, I that fall, I remember being in a building in Kingston looking up and looking down at the bushes and the trees. I was probably, you know, 10, 12 stories up and looking at these black furry things things running around the grass and in the leaves and I was like what are those they look like big rats to me I'd never seen anything like it I'd never seen squirrels that big I'd never seen squirrels that color Um, and there were so many of them too I was really taken aback by them it's incredible and uh, let us know what animal or what plant or what is in your hometown that other people might not have in their place that you see all the time but might be interesting and fascinating for the rest of the people uh, who visit. I would also love to know, just to harken back to what we were talking about earlier, what sounds, what everyday sounds people feel comforting, dishwasher, um, dryer. For some people, the crinkle of paper, the crinkle of a newspaper, um, would yep. have a really sweet, comforting sound. We're getting to ASMR territory with those kind of sounds. Yeah. I'll tell you a comforting sound that once again is associated with where we're from here mm. that other people might find to be a little bit bizarre because it is a bizarre sort of sound. But the sound of loons calling, they have a very distinct call. Mm -hmm. And if you're not familiar with the sound of a loon, which is a bird, an aquatic bird, Mm. um, it might strike you as odd. But I find that sound very relaxing because it's always indicative of a beautiful lake or river in Ontario or in Canada and uh, just the sounds of the loon echoing amongst the nature. Loons are a beautiful sound. That loon call is just so comforting with like a sunset in the summer, the loons on the lake. I actually also find the sounds of doves or even pigeons. Cooing? Yeah, I know that people don't love pigeons, but when you 
have one sort of nesting nearby if you live in the city. That's sort of cooing, um, roosting almost sound. There's like a comforting kind of cooing with that that I also really love. Well, Amanda, this brings us towards the end of our podcast episode. Well, there is one more thing. I think we wanted to just let everybody know uh, for those people who read the Globe and Mail in Toronto or even if you're not in Toronto, I'm sure you can find get it, it online. Yeah. They did a wonderful uh, piece on soothing podcasts um, and other kinds of podcasts and just podcasts that people are finding really helpful right now. And uh, they focused on three wonderful podcasts, including this one. Yeah. So we just really want to thank our friends at the Globe and Mail for tuning in and for listening. It was quite a surprise because I had no idea they would be mm-hmm. doing that. They didn't reach out to us per se, but they just sort of listed us as one of the three. And that was quite a lovely honor to be in the paper. So thank you to whoever is listening at the Globe and Mail. And it's uh, this week's Globe and Mail. So you can go ahead and, and find it or just type in the Insomnia Project Globe and Mail. And I'm sure that little mention will come up if you'd like to read it and share it. We would love it if you did. I'll also put it on our uh, Twitter feed mm-hmm. at Listen and Sleep. So Beautiful. you'll be able to catch it there. Amanda, it's always a pleasure to sit opposite you in this booth. Thank you. And thank you for taking me down all those beautiful memories. I'm going to sleep well tonight. And for the rest of you, we hope you have already dozed off. But if you haven't, we hope you get to listen and sleep.